three. Welcome everyone to another edition of our Eurythmics podcast. I'm Mark Stevens, and I'm joined as always by my friend, uh, Rex Saldana. Hello. Rick. Well, it's been a while. We haven't done a, po- a podcast since April 27th when we had Meredith Oaks on, mm-hmm. the author mm-hmm. of Rock and Roll Woman, and she was such a great uh, uh, guest. It was such a great uh, podcast. Yep, it was wonderful. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It's a good one. Yeah, so like I said, uh, Dave and I have not, uh, Rex and I have not done a podcast since April 27th, and a few things have happened since then. Dave and Annie were inducted uh, or chosen to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yay. Woo-hoo. So all that voting, all that voting, uh, you know, of course, our 450-some thousand votes or whatever it was from fans, of course, doesn't really count a lot, but they got in uh, from the membership. They will be inducted. The official ceremony is in November in Los Angeles. Um, and so really excited about that. That's really that's just great all these years we've sort of been waiting for that and also i think the day that we're uh, recording this dave stewart's uh new album sort of this opus uh album of this box set ebony mcqueen is out today so lots of things going on in the eurythmic world but today we're going to go way back and we're going to go back to the last official full Eurythmics album, 1999's Mm. Peace. And joining us today is uh, another Eurythmics fan. It's not always just Rex and I that you have to hear from, of course. Um, So joining us today is Christopher Perello, and he is from Syracuse, New York. So he's on East Coast time like I am. He says he is a lifelong Eurythmics fan. That means from birth, he was singing Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. We know that for Yes, yes. Uh, (laughs) He's employed by Syracuse University. He's the director of career services and an adjunct professor of communications. Um, He says he lives with his partner of 17 years and a pet parakeet called RuPaul. Now, I'm not, that's not the same entity, right? That's two different the, your partner and my Bert, partner right? is not RuPaul. Um, my partner okay. is Bert. <laughs> my bird is RuPaul, though. Yes. Right. All right. Because so uh, the way you had it, I'm like. Sorry. Yes. Just the comma. So, no, I'm joking. Um, and besides all things E related, that's Eurythmics, uh, he enjoys going to concerts, traveling, and all things. Peloton, is that right? Yes. Do I have that right? Yes, I'm a Peloton. Peloton, is- yes, we're advertising today. Oh, get some royalties. See, <laughs> if, yes. If someone would like to sponsor our Eurythmics podcast, you know, here it is. So we've done it. Oh, and- no, 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 no sponsors for you know Eurythmics didn't sing for Coke or Pepsi, so we don't do it. That's sponsors. right. Although Peloton plays a yeah. lot of Eurythmics, so that's one reason why I love Peloton. So, oh, okay. yeah. See? We, well, then shout out to Peloton for that. Yeah. If we keep saying it long enough. Uh, but one thing that I love to hear from Christopher that he says with his Gen Z students, he does his best to introduce them to Eurythmics. Yeah. So, welcome, Christopher. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome. 
Thank you for having me. I feel like I've known you. You're welcome. We love having you. I think I've, it feels like I've known you forever, although like a lot of us in the Eurythmics world, I've never met you. No, we may have, we could have crossed paths when we've, we're both Disney people. And so we're usually down in Disney yeah. relatively around the same time, but before the pandemic, it just no. never worked out. So yeah, perhaps right. yeah. So that's a 40th Eurythmics reunion or something like that. I could finally meet you in person. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that sounds good. So, and we're also not being joined by another Eurythmics fan today, but we have some comments uh, from them, and we'll bring that up in a few minutes. Nice. But uh, Christopher, you had you had commented, um, you know, on one of the Eurythmics fan Facebook pages uh, about how much you liked Peace, oh, and you've got a really interesting story on your introduction to Peace. So tell us a little bit about that before we start we start talking about Peace. Yeah. So thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, I feel like an actual Eurythmics fan now. I've always felt like imposter syndrome because I was so young when Sweet Dreams came out. Um, so Peace is my coming of age narrative. It's my coming of age album. Um, it, the album was released on October 19th, 1999, just so happened to be my 17th birthday. And so, you know, with wow. Peace coming out on my 17th birthday, my senior year of high school, weird things were going on, if we can all recall what was going on around our 17th birthday. And then here comes out an album and uh, the song 17 again is on it. Uh, so uh, being a Eurythmics fan um, as a very young boy, right? My parents listened to Eurythmics incessantly in the house. So I always knew who Eurythmics were. Um, and then going through my teen years thinking this group will never exist again. They will never get back together. There's no way in hell. Um, and then all of a sudden, for my 17th year on this planet, they happen to be reuniting and putting out this album that is so closely tied back to their own um, meeting experiences when they were coming of age themselves in their early, um, in their early days. Um, there were like I say, weird things going on. I was coming to terms with my sexuality in a time that was still very homophobic with HIV AIDS. Um, and um, the song or the album too is political. And for, you know, a budding liberal like myself to see Amnesty International being um, being sort of um, part of the the experiment that was peace made me feel more comfortable to be that bleeding heart liberal that I still am today, maybe a little bit more conservative. Um, you know, because I'm a trillionaire. Um, so that's my, that's my connection with the album. And, and, you know, it, it came out at a time when I was just struggling with things personally and Annie and Dave put that into words and music for me. I think that's such a great story. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And I, I think a lot of Eurythmics fans probably feel the same way, you know, especially, uh, those of us who were teenagers when the first albums came out i think we felt the same way we were a lot of us were struggling with our sexuality um and i think it was it was very affirming mm -hmm. yeah and you know through the imagery and the artwork was very affirming so for a certain subset of people there was you know i think eurythmics had that kind of importance you know well that's the that's the interesting thing because when we're teenagers no matter what we're struggling with things and trying to figure out who you are and what you are and all those kind of things. And it was so interesting, even if you, if you, you know, Christopher, you weren't there necessarily, like you said, like a lot of these other people in that same time period, 
you know, but um, what they did, it was so interesting because they gave you the ability to say whatever I am mm. is okay because, and, and, I, and you hear that. And I think that's, that's such a great thing that, and you get that from music. That's part of being is music, I think, but there was, you know, something else with them, I guess, visually and all these kind of things. So they gave us a lots of different opportunities to do that. So yeah. that's great. And so, you know, it, it is interesting that we, we pretty much thought Eurythmics were done and, mm. and here 10 years later comes peace. So, and, and I'm happy that it was on your birthday. Happy birthday. About I know. That. That's cool. <laughs> 17. Yeah. I want to say too, like 17. Be, being in middle school and high school and saying Eurythmics, Eurythmics, Annie Lennox, Annie Lennox. I mean, people knew who the, who Eurythmics were, right? Like my friends knew who Eurythmics were. You know, their parents listened to them. When Peace came out, yeah. people were my friends were listening to Eurythmics. Like they they were like, oh yeah, these older people, but like they're still cool. And one song, and I think this may shock some Eurythmics fans out there, but the one song that I remember that my friends and other like the straight dudes on the football team were listening to was I Want It All. It was a song that I think ah. allowed them to feel it was part of the late 90s. And so it's it's odd, you know, you had these singles that came out, but then by the summer of 2000, my friends were actually listening to I Want It All. Like that was a song that um, while they couldn't download at the time, they were, they were ripping off cassettes and CDs and so I, I did want to make sure I was. So, so why do you think that song? Why do you think that song? I mean, where? How did they know about it? Because it wasn't released as a single. Was it just word of mouth? Was it? I'm, in my honest opinion, it was their parents who had the albums. The parents were either listening to the to them in the car or listening to them at home, listening to them while they were doing housework. And so when they were playing full albums, because you know they they were buying albums at that time. Um, I want it all came on and it sounded like a, a, a classic nineties grunge alternative rock song that seemed aggressive and contemporary. And like, it was okay for them to listen to. They were not listening to 17 again. That was not a song you heard at a party, but if you were at a party and I, mm. I, I want it all would come on and people would, would mosh and bounce around. Like it was, uh, it was kind of a, an okay what? thing. But after that, you know, then you you didn't put on "Here Comes the Rain Again." You didn't put on "Sweet Dreams." Maybe somewhere else, but um, so I wanted to make sure that that folks out there, you know, that was a thing that I actually remember. Um, and you know, um, so it made me oh, it made it okay to be a Eurythmics fan, even in the depths of when all these other Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera's were coming out at that time. So. Yeah, and Christopher, I have to ask you now. This was post Annie's solo, you know, after Diva and Medusa. So your generation was 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 used to Annie Lennox as a solo artist already. Yes, and very then, you much know, so. you had Walking on Broken Glass and all the No More I Love You. No More I Love You was very popular, although again, not at the time really celebrated by folks my age. Was popular and they knew it. Um, I think that. Um, right when Eurythmics got back together, there was obviously this sort of, um, you know, conversation going on. I, I truly think about, about their parents. To be fair, I grew up in the suburbs of New York City where a lot of my friends, 
parents were from New York City or were from Philly or Boston and sort of um, found a place. Um, so I I recognize, you know, um, that my friends growing up, I mean, I still remember being in, in Cub Scouts and my friends' parents at, in Cub Scouts in the early 90s and all their parents being big Annie Lennox and Eurythmics fans. Um, I actually even wonder sometimes if some of those folks really knew that Annie Lennox was solo and didn't realize that she was no longer with Eurythmics, that maybe they thought that was still Eurythmics, you know, just as top 40 yeah. type pop culture people. So. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. That's a very interesting perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 this is, this is fascinating just from this level of that you are coming from this from a different age but there's so many similarities, aren't there, Rex, to what you're talking about, where Annie and Eurythmics in the 90s were still on this. They were known. People knew who they were. But they weren't the musicians or whatever that everybody talked about for all the, it, you know, it wasn't that thing. So they were always this little thing in the background for all of us that some of us just, you know, were geared to. So that's fascinating. I'm really interested in that. That's really yeah. Well, that reminds me of a, a quote Annie gave uh, during the We Two Are One promotion where she said, uh, you know, you have to discover us a little bit. Eurythmics aren't immediately accessible. Mm. And and I thought that was a good way to put it because um, by that point they had had their run of hits and then, you know, We Two Are One was kind of the, uh, was on a new label and they were kind of doing a fresh start. And so um, I think it all, that all rings true, but it really surprises me about Christopher, about what you were saying about the parents being so into it. I mean, it may—I mean, it makes sense, but it also surprises me too because we don't tend to hear those things a lot. That kind of perspective, mm. you know. You often wonder who's listening to Eurythmics, who's out there, you know, who likes Eurythmics. Well, clearly, a lot of people. <laughs> I do want to say I think well, that Columbia cool. House or what BMG Music when they were doing the pennies and. The, Sorry about doing the penny CDs. I, I feel like that was a big Eurythmics time that everyone seemed to have the greatest hits album and knew and remembered mm -hmm. who Eurythmics were at that time. That just seemed to be a, a marketing ploy. Uh, so, yes, I was a member of those clubs at that time, and I do remember greatest hits being uh, promoted quite heavily yeah. in their magazines and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, should we take um, peace? Uh, Piece by piece? Yes, please. I'm ready. And, 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 uh, all right. So 17 again. First track off the album. First single in the U.S. Um, so who, who wants to start? I'll start quick, and then we'll let Christopher talk, because I'm going to be really quick here. 17 again was always special to me, because I was 17 when Sweet Dreams came out. And, of course, they referenced Sweet Dreams in the song, and it's such a great song about the duality of, of being young and growing older. And it sounds like it's nostalgic, but it's really not. It's like, it, we don't want to be 17 again. We don't want to be that naive again. We like the fact that we are seasoned. So that's what I got out of it. Christopher? <laughs> Yeah, this was uh, so so cheesy. Brendan Holiday is going to roll his eyes. If he's listening to this right now, I know Brendan Holiday is going to roll his eyes when I say this. It is my anthem. Oh my gosh! It, it wasn't just the song. 
it was the video. And for me, the song and the video are just so dramatic. And it being the opening track is what really made me just reaffirm that I am a huge Eurythmics person. And to be drawn to that 17 again, um, that that theme, um, when I was turning 17 to me, similar to, to you, Rex, you know, coming of age 17 when Sweet Dreams came out was just a very, was a very, um, a, a reinforcement of my, my connection with Eurythmics. Um, and the video, of course, I just think is um, gross in a way, you know, they're being shot at and, 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 you know, dodging bullets and that, dr- that dramatism of Annie and Dave comes through not just through the audio but also through that fabulous video where they're just so campy i love it so yeah 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 and i you know mark and i have talked about this i don't know if it was in another podcast or or privately sometimes i forget what we publicly say and what we privately talk about but has anybody noticed the first few notes of 17 again are similar to why do 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 oh do 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 and um, I always wondered if that was deliberate, if that was a, uh, you know, because I think most Eurythmics fans take Why as a song about Dave and Annie's relationship. Yeah. And then here we come with 17 again, where they're coming back and recording a new album and coming together and reminiscing. And the fact that they use that same, you know, melody, it to me is almost like a nod to Annie's solo career, but also a nod to the theme of Why. No, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the notes are completely different, but it sounds that way to me. <laughs> Interesting. I love it. Um, so I think for me, um, and 17 again is always is one of those songs that stays with me. And what I mean is one of those thong- songs that's in my head that I go around. And if, if I hear that song once, it stays with me and I'll go around oh, singing yeah. it. You don't want to hear me sing. But I go around singing that song. And the thing about Peace, the album, is I think it's a really mature album. And what I mean by that, that it it just is Dave and Annie at a place in their life. Uh, And I also think that it's possible, although, Christopher, you're certainly um, would totally debunk what I'm about to say, is that I think sometimes you can that fans could come back to peace many years later. And I think I have and get a whole other appreciation for it because I've grown older. And so maybe that does work for you, Christopher too, but there are songs on peace that I have found that I didn't like at the beginning that I actually like now Mm. that I rediscovered them in a different way. And I kind of wonder that if that's my own maturity coming in, uh, yes, Okay, you you were shaking your head, Rex. He's totally disagreeing with this. <laughs> it's both. It's it's the maturity of being older and um, yeah, and rediscovering. I'm, I I feel the same way. There are a couple of songs on Pete that I didn't like so much back in the day, but now I really appreciate them. You know, but, Lena. But let's say you know the first track on this album, Annie Lennox. The first word is yay. So it's <laughs> it's it's not a young kind of thing. Yay, though I <laughs> venture. Yeah, like, a, like a Bible verse. Yeah. yeah. Bible yeah. Verse, uh, I, I really want to know, is there any other pop song that starts out yay? <laughs> I don't think so. But yeah, that's uh, a the, good point. It is. The thing that strikes me <laughs> the thing that the thing that strikes me about peace the most is Annie's lyrics. Uh, and even if there are songs that aren't my favorite songs, 
I can go into them and grab little sections of lyrics that I think are just absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah. And I, I think beautifully written. Um, and, and I just, I love it for that reason, if nothing else. Yeah, uh, I would have to quote, uh, times might break you, God forsake you, leave you burned and bruised. Ugh. I mean, those lyrics are just... Innocence, and, will, innocence will teach you yeah. how to be used. Ugh. Yeah. It feels like to be used, exactly. Yeah, I had I had circled them on Brilliant. a piece of paper here because that's the that's the part. And I remember thinking that Seventeen Again was going to be a huge hit. It's going to be number one. I was convinced of because I love the song. And then, of course, we should say, of course, that if that it ends by singing a refrain of "Sweet Dreams," so they go all the way back. Um, so I don't, I don't, you know, I've never really known. I don't think they've ever talked about that why they did that what was the reason you know was going back to their beginnings and or in a little bit but uh, i was convinced it was going to be a huge hit it wasn't it was a huge hit i think on the dance club mm -hmm. but oh, yeah. it wasn't a huge hit but i, I was convinced it would be <laughs> yeah well it, you know it just has that duality that they're famous for you know i mean everyone thinks oh it's a song about oh i wish i was 17 again no it's it's not about that no. just sort of like you know we two are one we too also, but also we too, the two of us. So many dualities in Eurythmics music. Well, let's go to that because I think I Saved the World Today is a great example of that because, uh, you know, you, you've got these, again, these incredible lyrics that um, are woeful, really. Monday finds you like a bomb that's been left ticking there too long. You're bleeding. Mm. That's how it starts. And then, you know, and then she kicks into, well, hey, hey, I saved the world today. And so, you know, you've got these dualities and that's... An uh, irony, yeah. Yeah, an irony, yeah. I, so, And I think that's a great song, too. Well, you know, and I think, well, Christopher... Oh, I was just going to say, I always felt like this song was supposed to give me hope. Coming into this, this uh, new world, you know, I was graduating from high school and... You know, the 2000 election was coming up and that was a big deal. And I, I was like, well, I feel like this song is supposed to give me hope. But I have to be honest, when I was listening to that song at the time, I did not feel a lot of hope. It wasn't until later in the album that I started feeling hope. And I wondered if maybe that was on purpose or if if maybe the lyrics were supposed to give us some sort of um, some sort of optimism. But in reality, it's we're, it's not going to work out that way. So sorry, Rex. Right. you know, that's, I think you've hit it right on the, you've hit it right on the head, Christopher. And, you know, it's all about like the, fu the futility of, 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 of like helping the world, you know, like, Oh, I, I just gave $25 to Greenpeace. I saved the world. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't, and it, it, it's, it's, I think what it's saying is no, there's a, there's a lot more to be done to save the world than just a toss off here and there, or, you know, I took a bag of clothes somewhere today, so I saved the world today. But yet, at the same time, I also think there is a, a message of hope deep in the song, just in the fact that it evokes the emotion that that there's more you can do. Hmm. There's more you can do. Yeah. So. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. And it, it, it was the first. It was the first single in in England, I believe. It was never a single in the U.S. Correct? No. Yeah. And so and and I, I don't know. Never really could figure that out with the record label. They had a video, you know, they had something to promote. 
Uh, so I always found used that used someone's campaign theme song in Israel. Or, it was it was sort of controversial. Oh yeah. I, I don't know. I don't uh, maybe I should have checked oh, my. I heard okay. that. All right, never mind. We're gonna. <laughs> no, I maybe it was a, a drunken Wikipedia night that I was on Wikipedia drunk or something. I don't know. <laughs> we'll save that for another. No, podcast. Right. You know, the, the the song was featured quite prominently in a Sopranos episode around the time of its release, okay. and so it got a lot of exposure that way. And I I personally know of a lot of people who heard it that way and were turned on onto it because of that. Yeah. But um, I should also point out that I think it pays a little bit of homage to the Carpenters. If you've ever heard the Carpenter song Superstar, um, it has it has a similar uh, sort of uh, melody huh. in, in places, in places. Do you think, I th- Annie I think it was Dave a nod to the Carpenters? Were they Carpenters people, you think? Maybe. I think it could be a nod to the Carpenters as being another famous duo. Oh, yeah. You know. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think they've got I like that. I, I've never heard that, but it's, like um, that. it's interesting to contemplate that. So that's a single in the U.S. was the third track, Power to the Meek. Never had a video, but uh, Power to the Meek, uh, you know, a rock, a rocky little song. Uh, they did a great live performance of that on the Storytellers. Yep. Yeah, yeah um, that was great. And yeah. Did we all see the peace tour? Did all three of us go to the peace tour? Did you get to go? I have a story. I'll be quick. Christopher at oh, 17, tell the story. Yeah, seventeen years old. So for my my birthday, I got money and I I bought my friend Megan and I, my best friend Megan, Catholic school girl, tickets to uh, Eurythmics at Madison Square Garden. And I was it was supposed to be I feel like in November. I don't really remember, but it was I think it was November. And yeah. Megan couldn't go last the week before. She told me she couldn't go, so I asked. You know, it's an hour and a twenty minute train ride to to Manhattan from where I grew up. So I was like, "Mom, please, can I go see Eurythmics? I have these two tickets, and I, I it's my dream." My mom said, "Christopher, you are not going to Manhattan by yourself. You are too young. You are you're going to get murdered and whatever." And I listened. I listened like a good Catholic boy. Um, and uh, I couldn't, I didn't go. And it's, uh, it's, I, it, it hurts me. And I've never brought it up to my parents, bless their hearts, you know, but um, eventually I, I must have to say something. If they're, they're going to listen to this, you ruined that for me. Mom. Just send them a link. Um, <laughs> well, send yeah, I know your parents were Eurythmics fans. So neither one wanted to go with you. Uh, no, no, I, no. They, I, they, the city was a scary place to them. The city was like uh, yeah, yeah. the devils, you know, into a potentially their gay, their a potentially homosexual son of theirs. They do not want going to Manhattan um, by himself. So, well, yeah, I'll, they did not want to go. I think as you get older, fear, yeah. <laughs> as okay. you get older, fear of big cities is something that creeps in. So that's right. There you go. <laughs> well, that's true. I, so. Christopher, you need to send them a link to this podcast so they know. (laughs) Mom, you didn't take me. I've never lived lived it down, you know. So you have to send them the podcast. But Madison Square Garden—that's where I saw them. It's the first time I was in New York City. Oh my gosh! Flew to New York City for that conference. Oh my gosh! We could have been sitting beside them. I know. You have to look at. Very sad about that. I'm gonna later. I've always loved Power to the Meek. I always thought it was a, a great, a great song. You know, um, 
I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just saying, uh, you know, Power to the Meek is a great song. I've always loved it. It's uh, energetic and it has a great message. And um, I have to say, I, I, I'm not a fan of the fact that they removed the woo-hoos from the uh, remastered version. Oh, yes. You know, That's the, right. the, the vinyls, the vinyl from 2018 has that part missing. Um, well, let's or, talk. You know, it's at the very beginning when she does that, you know. She does kind of a whoop whoop thing, and and they omit that. I think there are some later in the song, but there's one towards the beginning which I thought worked really well. That for some reason they edited that edited that out. I don't know why. Well, let's let's talk about that for just a minute, just so we don't forget. But you know, so the original album, and then the 2005 remaster. We'll talk about another song coming up, but that had different versions, and so the 2018. And you're saying it's different on 2018. Yeah, there's a, uh, well, I don't know. It could have been on the remastered CD as well, but I, I know when I listened to the, to the 2018 vinyl, um, yeah, some of the, some of the whoop whoops have been omitted, especially the one at the beginning, the prominent one at the beginning. So yeah, that's, um, weird. you know, you know I, where it goes, where it goes, da, 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 and, and, and she does the, uh, she does this little wailing whooping thing and it's, it's been cut out. So. I don't know why. I, I I do like this. I don't I don't think it was ever going to be a hit. I don't think it was ever going to be a hit. But I think it's a, a great song. And I always want to know. And I wonder if this is a British thing or is this something I just don't know. Oh, I'm right. And she used it again. And lost on songs of mass destruction. I got my fingers stung. Yeah. So is that a British term? Because I'm I, on both occurrences. I'm like stung. Does that mean? mashed what does that mean um i don't know if it's necessarily british but i've heard the term my whole life and what it means is is that you've been you know like you it how do i i can't put this into words now it it means like you know like you got stung by somebody or you were taken advantage of or something you know okay i don't think it i don't think it means literal pain i think it means like you know i've someone's taken something has happened someone's taken advantage of me i've been treated wrongly i've got my fingers stung yeah Mm. Christopher, you agree? You've been beat up and bruised, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I, I wondered the same thing, Mark. I wondered the same thing. So. Yeah. And I, I love to follow Annie's lyrics throughout the years because she returns to certain words. Yes. She returns to certain um, uh, yeah. phrases, you know, throughout. We'll see that uh, with China Cups. China Cups later I, in the album there, you know, one of the songs refers to broken China right. Cups. So, yeah, sorry. That's right. Yeah. ahead of myself. Okay, so but that, I, I think that's a rocking little song. I love the lyrics in it. Again, I go back to lyrics on this album uh, are, are just so great and it's just, I think it's a fun song. Uh, I'm not sure it was a great choice for a single, but I think the U.S. record company was trying to figure out, well, what do we put out there? And I think we'll get to one later on that I, to me is going to be, why did anyone think of this? But let's go on. Ooh. The next track is Beautiful Child. Mm. So now, Beautiful Child, is a that's a song that I, I appreciate more now than I did back in 1999. Same. And I, yeah. you know, I think it's because I'm older and even though I don't have children, I understand how that, you know, how that would feel. And I just love the guitar in that song, that strumming guitar of his. It's just beautiful. 
I feel yeah. like it showcases what? their acoustic genius. I mean, it just goes to show again how Eurythmics were not just a great studio electronic band, but also the acoustic genius of Annie's voice and Dave's um, acoustic guitar playing. Sorry, Mark. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They um, and remember back in was it two thousand? Uh, not two thousand. Twenty twenty. Uh, Dave and Annie came together for a UNICEF fundraiser. They were 1,500 miles apart, but Annie sang, Dave played his guitar. And I asked Dave about this when I interviewed him in 2020. I interviewed him basically about his second album, the Lindsay Stewart album, Stuart Lindsay album. But we were, of course, you, you don't talk to Dave and not say, hey, hey, let me ask you some stuff about Eurythmics. Of course. And so he had an interesting story. And I don't think I ever published this because this, the stories I wrote from that were about that album, the Stuart Lindsay album. And so I looked this up today and he talked about beautiful. And see, they and I remember this. They were asked specifically to perform this song um, for that event. And he was talking about it because he was saying they had a different viewpoint of what this song was about, but that that was okay. But it's very interesting how this song came about. And let me read what he said. Uh, we knew what the song was about, but it ended up that it meant a lot to people who had not really heard that song before on the peace album. So they, they so when they performed that, they got a lot of people talking about it. Hmm. Um, but he said, it means a lot to people in a different context in a different context. It was actually a very fleeting glance of my young son through a window. And it was his son, um, Django. Uh, and he was still a little boy. He was born, born in 1991. But, of course, they're recording this in 99. And Annie saw him through a window. And I think he was sad or maybe crying a little bit. But she just noticed him. And he was Dave was playing chords. And she started singing the way you hang your head has made the tears come down. And I asked him at the time, did, did Django know that? And he said he does, that the song is inspired by him in a way. Um, so, but, he's, but he went on to say that he always thought their best songwriting came when they exploited a tiny spark or element of life and turn it into something really emotional. Mm. And I, I thought that was such a, and I hadn't heard that. Maybe maybe other people had heard it, but I hadn't heard that specific story, how it came about. And uh, and we were, we can, I know this is an audio podcast, but when we record, we can see each other. And when we, we I think Rex, you said that, um, that this song has sort of come on on its own for, for you. And then all three of us were nodding our heads that, that it was a song I think we've all grown into. Oh yeah, um, in a way, and I think that's a lot about the peace songs. But because uh, it's not a song I liked at the beginning, I, I skipped it. Oh yeah, and they, and, and over the I came back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think at the time I felt well, like I oh, it's kind of boring. Was... Let's move on, you know. And now I, I I listen to it all the time. I'm I'm in my cars. And it's a, it's a perfect example of how art like fine wine over time ages well and also your perceptions of it change as you as you get older and stuff so yeah um i, I like that when i when i like a song more years later than i did back when i was younger yeah. i think that's a good thing actually uh 
Anything but strong. Oh. Yeah. Love that. Why don't you start talking oh. about anything? Anything but strong. I'm sorry. I'm going to gross some people out, but um, that was the first. That was the first song I remember being attracted to boys and being like having my heart broken by a boy. And anything but strong was like the song that I would listen to at the time to kind of help me, you know, mull, mull it over and kind of get over it, you know, because I had no one to talk to about it at the time. So that song, the lyrics, it was like, oh, anything but strong. It was the, the lyrics really spoke to me. So I, I go back to that song and I think like, oh, that one time that, you know, I was, I was, had my heart broken or whatever. Anything but strong was the song that was there for me, you know? Um, so, and that the, again, beautiful lyrics, um, beautiful um, introduction to the song too, sort of a bizarre hippie kind of um 60s late 60s vibe to it or something but um what uh, just a song that I, I just speaks to me at, at every level and i love that because so many songs i mean we all have this everyone around the world has that where some song means something so much to you for a certain moment in time yeah. for a certain reason and it sticks with you no, no matter how old you get, no matter yeah. how much time has passed, and you go straight back to that time period. You, you feel it, you hear it, oh, everything. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's bizarre. So, yeah. Christopher, when you listen to that song now, after what you went through as a teenager and all that, um, how, do you, how do you feel about, now as an older person, how do you feel about how you felt at the time when you heard that song and you were dealing with with like a, a bad boyfriend. So initially I feel like it's so trite and silly and just inconsequential. But when I was thinking about it more today, when I was listening, I was listening to the, all the songs again today and that, that song, like I felt it again because I remember who I remember the boy's name. I rem I'm friends with him on Facebook. Now that, that jerk like, and so, um, but to real, to see how, um, it's stood with me this, this period of time. And then to go back and it reminds me of what I felt at that time. You can't get that with a lot of other, you know, and other, um, sensory, um, kind of, um, instigators. So that song does it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, with great lyrics, like, but wanting is not the same thing as needing. Yeah. Uh -huh. Love that. I mean, Love that. That's just like Brilliant. I mean, I mean haven't we all been in haven't we ever been all been in a relationship where you maybe needed it, but the other person wanted it but didn't need it? <laughs> or, you know how that goes. Anything oh, in I'm life like that. And I think that's why <laughs> I think that's Me why too. it works so well. I I, I want to bring someone else in now, uh, like I alluded to earlier. Uh, I had asked Nancy Jacobs and her husband um, if, if they would like to join us, uh, because I, I knew that, that they really liked the peace album and, uh, they couldn't join us today. And, but she, she sent me some messages about songs that meant a lot to her. Uh, and they're, they're really great. And I want to read some stuff that she said, and, and this is one of the songs, anything but strong, she says is one of those songs where the lyrics and the melody work together so well to soothe the soul, especially for a depressive. I like to put it on full blast when too much darkness hits me. It expresses human frailty, how weak and alone we feel, and also evokes the deep well of strength and recognition of connectedness 
that keeps us going. Wow. That combination of being open and aware about what challenge uh, challenges us while digging deeper for illumination is some kind of alchemy for me. And it is present in so many Annie Lennox and Eurythmic songs. And I thought that was wow. a great description of it is. that wow. and how she, you know, how she feels about that song. And um, we got to get her on a podcast. I know. Yeah, I, I would love. Jeez, to, I'm sorry, I everyone. <laughs> she would have been much better. No, no. no we, I invited, I invited, like, I invited I both that. of you. You're not. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I've invited both of you at the same time, and um, you know, really, I, we go back and and I mentioned Thomas Lindsay a moment ago, who you know actually recorded with Dave, uh, and he discovered Eurythmics uh, with Peace, and he'd been a great person to talk about, but, uh, you know, and I think that anything but strong is one of those songs that I think the peace album does evoke a lot of 60 sound, oh, yeah. a lot of Beatlesque esque sound. Uh, and, um, and that's, and I will tell you again too, this is one of the songs that I skipped over initially and that I came back to and really appreciated later on. Wow. Right. Um, and that again and again with, with uh, with peace, I found myself doing that, and I'll talk about another one later. But that was very much. But peace is just a word. Is next, that which ended- I think I think is very self-explanatory and what it's about. But I have to tell you, the first time I heard that song, I burst into tears. Yeah, because you know it's just. I mean, her delivery is so achingly. I mean, you can hear the aching in her voice and the pain in her voice. And, you know, stop the world, shut it down, turn it off. I mean, it's just a great song, and, and we know what, we know what it's about. And that was released as a single there, wasn't it, in the U.K.? In the U.K., yeah. 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 And, um, and the, you know, again, the word bleed is in, a, in yeah. lyrics on this album. You know, she, you know, she is pulling all of this stuff out. And there is this, there is this theme, this concept to the album of peace, and I think the title itself, um, you know, after albums called Savage and Revenge and and such, and I, I think both Dave and Annie knew, okay, we've come back together after a decade, peace. You know, this is going to have a lot of different meanings on a lot of different levels. Right. But and of course, peace is just a word. Was the final song for uh, each concert on the peace tour, and man, did that work really well. And they've always wanted, they've always had that, haven't they? On all their tours, where they had a song. You know, a lot of people were into song with a big rocking number or rousing number. They all, they've never done that. They always take it down you know, leave you with something else. I think you're supposed to leave and sort of think about what you've done, what you've seen, what you've heard. And man, that was a, that was a great, well, no, they, they, no, that's, I'm wrong on that, aren't I? Peace is just a word. And then they roll it into sweet dreams. I'm wrong on that. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> you had me but, convinced. But, but you're also right in a way that they do take it down like that. You know, but because you're right, they do take it down that way and they kind of ease you down. And then, and then there's the last one. Yeah, we'll yeah. always want to leave them wanting more, right? Yeah, but there's that. Yeah, there's that great guitar part at the end of piece and goes, 
and then they move into sweet dreams. Sorry about that. That's one of my favorite yeah. things, and I messed it up. <laughs> and I just wanted, I wanted to say, you know, the lyrics, um, you know, turn out the sun. I'm so tired of it turning around. Stop the world. Call it a day. I have felt that way specifically over the last couple of months. What with COVID yeah. and the U- Ukraine war, oh, yeah. and with uh, one party in the U.S. trying to take away everybody's rights and and mm-hmm. keep people down. Mm-hmm. You just get exasperated, and you and you just yeah, shut it down, yeah. turn it off. I'm sick of this. The song but then the is next more, day, I'm feeling positive, and it's like okay, yeah, you you got it perfect. The song is more relevant now than it was in 1999. I mean, and Annie, you see it on her Instagram, and you know, I'm sure Dave Dave uh, yeah. feels similarly. So, I think she even said peace is just a word in a recent post about yeah. Ukraine. Yeah, so, yeah. That's interesting too, because I think the theme of this album, in the sense of peace and the topics that it brings up about the world and how bad the world is, is it was again something that was before its time. Imagine if this had come out after the Iraq War. Imagine if this had come out, you know, during all of these kind of things, because it preceded all that. Yeah, but you know. As Amy says all the time, you know, these things have been with us for forever. Uh, and, you know, we're still trying to figure it out. We can't do it. So, um, you know, it, it was an album before its time, uh, I think. In that, um, and it, it, it was so good at being a concept album that it took you through all of that. Um, exactly. Yeah, but, you hit it on the head with that. It was It was prescient, but yet at the same time, it was also... You know, like you said, the wars have been around forever, but um, yeah, it would have been really interesting to see what the re- reaction would have been had it come out a few years later. Yeah. They would have been uh, burning their CDs, and um, there would have been protests against mm-hmm. Eurythmics. You know, so. Well, remember what happened to Madonna, who tried to. Um, so was it her American Life album? Oh yes, I think, and she sort of took. Yes. Yep. And. You know, she used the uh, camouflage very much like what Dave and Annie had already done. And I'm not, yeah. I don't mean anything. Madonna, about- Madonna always seemed to be one step behind Annie Lennox. Mm-hmm. That's right. I said it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And I agree. Uh, but, <laughs> but the point of that was that she got vilified, you know, for that. And because at the time you couldn't, you had to be patriotic. You had to, you know, you, you had to wave the flag. You couldn't do, you couldn't say anything. So rock was in rock music was in a very tenuous thing there, where rock music had always been, or pop music even, you know, kind of a a, a social discussion for uh, wars and these kind of things, yeah. but not at the time. Yeah. But um, anyway, let's move on to I've tried everything. Which I'm sure. <laughs> I've tried the first version, and that's the one I like the best. Good. Uh, yeah. Yes. I so, agree. I've tried everything. Of course, it was it was used also on the Sopranos. Yep. Made the Sopranos soundtrack, soundtrack. I believe. Yep. Um, yes. And um, that's right. That's right. I forgot yep. about that. And I think that should have been a single because that song. I don't know anybody who doesn't love that song. So let's all talk about that. Sure. We all love that song. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I like, I like the original version from 99 and the one on the remaster. I'm not crazy about the one on the 2005 remaster. Yeah. And so let's, we'll talk about that too. So, but 
this is this song just does everything. You know, it it just starts out uh, the way that Annie does, and uh, Nancy will talk about this. I'll look some stuff up that she also, we, she and I were talking about. But you know, there's that weird juxtaposition in this song where she's singing, you know, sweetly almost, um, and then that chorus of "You're a loser now," and it's bam. And uh, something that Nancy had brought up earlier when Nancy, when we were talking about message that she finds a lot of things in Annie's lyrics where it's Annie talking to herself almost. Yeah. And then we take that in a different way. Um, and I think that's part of what's going on here that she's going through these things, the truth of life, uh, but I can't make it. And then it's, pushing it out and she's talking, you're a loser now, you know, and go back to her famous lyrics on why from diva. Why don't, and she talks to herself and she says, why don't you ever learn to keep your big mouth shut? Mm. And so there's a lot of this conversation with herself. I don't know if she does this in reality. I'm not going to say if I do that, but I may do that a little bit. Sometimes I may talk to myself. I'm not too crazy. I don't know yet. Don't get me in the straitjacket just yet. But I just, I just. <laughs> well, have you noticed that the song is about the song is sort of about futility in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Futility in a relationship, and the beginning of the song has that kind of which goes it kind of sound feels like a circle. Yeah, yeah. Like you're going like like in a relationship where you're going around and around in circles mm-hmm. and you're not getting anywhere. Just an observation. No, Rex, you're but you're pointing I mean, out sh- all those good observations that I didn't think of. So thank you. I'll be listening to those. Oh, well, yeah. thank you. <laughs> I mean, and I, likewise with you. I should be cool, but I'm burning hot. I should be good, but I fell apart. Jeez, I mean, haven't we all thought like that sometimes? In something like, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. And I just think that's just done so well. That's why the and song I, is so. Anyway, universal. we've all felt like losers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it, it should have been a single. I don't know why Dave and Annie didn't think this. I don't know why no one at the record label said, you know, this is a really good song. I think it will connect with people. If Arista but put then again, it out as on the, on the Soprano soundtrack, I, they knew that it would tap into some pathos somewhere. And I, I, I mean, I think for mm-hmm. at least us three, we, I mean, it's a, such a brilliant song and maybe their hope was it would organically sprout as a, you know, as a particular, uh, you know, a hit somewhere. But um, because I remember seeing that on the Sopranos soundtrack, and I remember there were a lot of people with that soundtrack back in the day. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. well, I, I think you know by that time, even in the late '80s, Eurythmics were becoming more of an album-oriented band and less about their singles. Yeah. Uh, and I think by '99, they definitely—that's where they were in the terms of music at the time. So you may be right, Christopher, on that too, that it was sort of put out there as another way to keep the album out there. Uh, So I think that, but let's talk about the 2005 remaster where it's a totally different uh, version, especially at the beginning. And we've never really been told how that came about and some of the other songs are, and even the 2018 remaster, there's some that's slightly different. 
but um, and I don't know if at the time you know that we're going to put these remastered albums out and oh yeah this just came out six years ago Dave can you do something can you tweak some things just to make it something different I've never heard anything talked about it and I've never I think the original version is the best version. I never disliked the 2005 remastered version. I, I just thought of it as sort of a remix, and I'm all about a good remix. That's a good way to put it, Mark. I didn't really dislike it either. I just thought I don't like this as much as the original one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. I know we got to move on. I want it all. We <sighs> talked a little bit about that earlier. So anybody else want to say anything about it? Uh, I'm just really, I was really interested to hear Christopher's like take on that and how, and how teenagers at the time really kind of embraced that. I I can see why now because it's because of the sound of it and all that. Um, So yeah, I love hearing things like that because you often wonder, you know, do people hear, does anybody hear this stuff? I I mean, perhaps Um, that should have been the single. I mean, I mean, it is a very catchy, I mean, it's a very, it's one of those sort of Eurythmics could just make those mainstream pop hits. Maybe that's what it should have been. I don't know. Yeah. And I remember MTV used, MTV used it in, in some promos, hmm. like as, as background music for, and it didn't have anything to do with Eurythmics. It was what they would think they were promoting one of their shows, interesting. but in the background you could hear, you know, I want it all. See? And I, I thought that's interesting. Well, and of course, it opened the Peace Tour. It was the oh, opening right. song from that. And uh, But now something interesting, I want to read something from Nancy too, but those lyrics are exactly lyrics from a Queen song. Have you yes. Heard? Yeah. So I don't know if that's a nod to them or just we're going to, I mean, it's I want it all, I want it all, I want, I want it now. Oh, yeah. Those are the exact same lyrics. So, uh, so I don't know if it's a nod to Queen or if it's just, Annie and Dave, like, well, we're, we're going to sing the same kind of. Um, I think probably both. You know, maybe I think when they were when they were writing the song, they probably weren't thinking about Queen. But as it came out, they were like, oh, yeah, Queen has this thing, too. I, You know, I can't say what the songwriting process was like, but the theme of the song, you know, consumerism and dissatisfaction oh, yeah. and. Yeah, everybody. Everybody has to have has to have something that's going to make them happy that really doesn't. <laughs> Let me and, uh, let me read something from Nancy on that. Seems a lot of people don't respond so well to I want it all, but to us, she's talking about she and John, it's a very wry expression, just as you said, Rex, of modern consumerism and quick fix attitudes which plague our society. And the monotone simplicity of the melody with the heaviness of the music is perfect to express that once in a while we get to the the urge to blast it. And there is always a smile on our faces when we do. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Man, she's good. Oh, I I like her takes. She is good. Man. Nancy, we we wanted you on. We'll do a part two. We've got you anyway. Part two. Gosh, Nancy's so good. She might be better than, better than us. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll have to be careful. Nancy will do her own podcast. She'll just do her own. I know. She could give us some serious competition. Are you listening, Nancy? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's go to my true love. This is another song I didn't appreciate back in the day as much as I do now. Oh, my gosh. And um, my – I just – the part I love the best is – Is that part? That's my favorite. (laughs) The part I like the best is – 
is you know is when she does the and I don't oh. want to remember. And then that my true, I love that. I call that her my her her Mariah Carey moment. <laughs> oh, oh dear, what an awful thing to say. But <laughs> oh well, I'm talking oh, the I, voice. I'm talking the voice. <laughs> Christopher, your take. Um, most beautiful. Some of the most beautiful Eurythmics lyrics. My favorite is, um, "My true love is a saccharine kind of pill." that tastes too sweet for words and cannot be fulfilled. Like, and th that song, this song was like one of my favorites on the album when it came out. And when I remember that specific lyric and thinking like, that is the most genius thing ever. So to me, that was like a Beatles moment or a Dave, well, Dave Matthews band was the big band at, at that era. So that was my Dave Matthews band moment for the lyrics in the song, but yeah gorgeous song it's really great to have your perspective you know because of your age and, and when you were growing up and all that it's it's I, I know i said it before during this podcast but you know a lot of the older fans i don't think we're really as in tune with what younger ones knew saw or went through so it's really great to hear all this. cool that makes me feel good I <laughs> um my true love was the song on peace that I hated, I hated that song. I did not, I could I didn't like, I didn't like her vocals. And if you'd asked me a few months ago, I would have likened it to the hurting time from Bear with Nancy's going to kill me because it's, that is one of her favorite songs and I don't like it. And I also do not like, was it just another love affair from the oh. ultimate collection? And all three of these songs, they have a connection. The music is very similar. I don't like the music. And Annie's voice is a register that doesn't work in my brain. I will also I will also say to you though, I listened to my true love today and just to sit down and listen to it. And I kind of liked it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that, okay. Mark. <laughs> I, so I'm, I'm gonna give it some more chance <laughs> i see what you're i totally see what you're saying i understand where you're coming from i think for me i just it grew it i loved it from the moment it was on peace and it just it's the best song to me but um i i understand where you're coming from yeah i don't agree but i understand yeah 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 it's also, you know and that that lyric about he's sitting on a pile of stones Wondering to himself, where did I go wrong? Yeah. Wow. That is so like, <laughs> like, let's just read, you know, like, just, you know, I mean. That's a, that's a, that's a very visual thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm almost certain that is some, that is some, I don't know who she's talking about specifically, some man in her life. And that's a very visual thing for her. That's just not lyrics you create. That's something in her, in her you know, mine that she remembers or she's seen. Oh yeah. Cause that's a great lyric. I, I, I will absolutely say the lyrics in that song are fantastic. It just took me a very long time to appreciate it. And doesn't it sound like at the beginning of the song, like seagulls, like they're at the water or something. Yeah. And, um, and then, he, yeah. And he's sitting on a pile of so, stones, like maybe by the water. That's kind of way. I, yeah. I, I, okay. I, they're sound of like birds. Like they're at, like they're at, you know, yeah. out in nature somewhere by the water. All right. Oh, yeah. 
Forever. Oh. Let's go to the next song. Forever. Christopher, will you start with Forever? So Forever, uh, this is, I'll try to be quick with this. I'm sorry. I, um, this song reminds me of my twin brother. Um, Forever is a song, when it came out, I just felt like the lyrics were about us growing up together. And, you know, we, even though we were two totally different people, he was a football player, jock, you know, loved the girls. And I was the opposite. Um, it was a song that was going to carry us throughout our our. Um, existence. He tragically died of suicide in 2009. So the song meant so much to me about my twin brother when it came out in 99. And then 2009, 10 years later, not long after, you know, the 10 year mark of this album, he, he killed himself. And so for me, forever is the song that means he's always around. He's always, he's always here, just like Dave and Annie will always sort of be together in, in different spirits and that sort of thing. It's one reason why I think I was able to get over his death and be so resilient uh, forever. That's, that's what that song means to me. I know it's kind of a campy song, very pop top 40 melodic it should have been in my opinion should have been a single um but that that song just means so much to me yeah well thank you for sharing that and and very sorry to hear about your brother and i think that shows you know the power of music and how people can inter you know the song is about their relationship over the years but you can apply it to your relationship with your brother and yeah. anybody can apply it to any relationship. Yeah. So again, that's the, the universe, uni universality of music. I think the song is very Beatles-esque. Yes. It sounds very, very Beatles-esque. Beatles yeah. And um, yeah. Um, and it's okay. You said you, you thought it should like be a it. single. You can still trash the song if you don't like it. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't well, know. I, like I don't know where do it like sits with Eurythmics' fans. I Sometimes I veer from... I'm thinking it's a little too over the top. And then sometimes I think it's just perfect. Yeah. So I'm I get okay. conflicted about that song. It, it, it was for me another song for many, many, many years that I didn't like. I, I, it didn't connect to me. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, this, this is probably five, six years ago now. And I have all Eurythmic songs downloaded on my car, you know, stereo, whatever. They're all in there. Whoever gets my car whenever I sell it, they're getting the entire Eurythmics catalog. But anyway, so, you know, I'm just driving along. I've probably been on the phone, and so it forever is playing. And, you know, I turn the radio or the volume back up, rather, and it's on the bridge. Uh, and I've never paid it. I've never made it through the song, so I've never paid attention. So it's on the bridge. Um, uh, the way you live, the way you die, the stuff of life's in short supply, and it sometimes hits you strong remembering that, Things go wrong. The song of life is just a song and everything goes on and on. And that Ugh. absolutely positively did it. Mm. And I love this song mm. because it just hit me. What the hell have you been doing this song? And you've not been listening to this? <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah, what, just what the hell were you doing? Not even looking to the whole damn thing. Do you, also turn, do you also turn off movies halfway through that you don't like? <laughs> <laughs> I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered too much. <laughs> actually, actually, the older I get, if I don't like a movie, I'll turn it off. Oh yeah, I don't have time. I'm to, there I don't too. Have, I'm waste there. Time. I'm not going to sit and watch something I'm not enjoying. You know. But, I mean, isn't this amazing that this album has done that uh, at so many levels? 
you know, that we've rediscovered them, or at least I have, and I think you all have talked about some in rediscovering them. And I wonder, there are a lot of fans who, this is not their favorite album, it's one of their lower, and I would suggest to them, go back again and listen. Yeah. yeah. And see if you have a different interpretation. Yeah. Um, and I think if you listen on your headphones, and I think you get a lot of different things out of it. Uh, yeah, well, I don't want to sound, we don't want to sound too full of ourselves, but hopefully maybe some of the uh, insights we've shared might make people think differently about the album. I don't know. And let's go to the final track. Yeah. Could I Could I start with that? Because um, <laughs> Lifted is very special to me. I've always loved the song. Um, I want it played at my funeral. Nice. That's the song I want played at my funeral because I think it has a positive message about carry on, be lifted. And Mark and I were talking about this the other day. It has the, to me, it has the feeling of kind of a, in the beat, like a, like a new Orleans funeral March. Oh. If you've ever seen the, in new Orleans where they march down the street when someone has died and it's very like, boom, 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 boom. And that's what it feels like to me. Like sort of like a funeral March. Um, but again, with the duality of Eurythmics, it's all about staying strong and, and moving forward and, and you know being lifted. And that's, I think, why I, wanted, why I thought I wanted it as my funeral song, because um, I think it is that in a way. But yet it also has the positive, positive vibe. I found that out from you years ago. You, you said something about that you wanted it at your funeral. And it's the same with me. I want it at my funeral. Wow. And... I think this is this is not only, in my opinion, the best song on Peace. Mm. It's one of the best songs Eurythmics ever did. Oh. It's just an incredible. I would agree. Oh my gosh, that makes I, me so I, happy and, to and hear the, you say that. <laughs> so and I, that 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 flute solo oh, again, brilliant. Solo. Oh, I mean, so good. Yeah. So yeah. I take it, Christopher, you also like it. I love Lifted. <laughs> Actually, Lifted is a song that I remember when I was training for to run half marathons, when I was a song that even though it's not a running song, I love I just I loved. And I'm I I told my partner, I'm like, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm gonna say it. When I went to college, I didn't list I didn't really get to Lifted when I was in, you know, until I went to college and then I was really what I would start listening to Lifted and I was just getting into my drug experimenting phase at that time. And so when I would smoke pot, oh, I, you were a late bloomer. I was a late bloomer. I know. I know. I was a, I was a good suburban <laughs> Catholic boy, not a bad one until I went to college. But when I started finally, uh, finally experimenting, experimenting with weed and ecstasy and all those other things lifted was the song that I would listen to. And so for me, it was almost like that. That was my grateful dead time. That was my moment where I was able to connect to some sort of eurythmic song and feel chill and, and really feel connected with the music. And I know that that doesn't paint me in a, everyone, I mean, I'm, you know, work at a university now, but, uh, but back then that was the, that was my drug song was lifted. And so that's why I still, I hear it today and it's almost like, oh, those endorphins come back. Um, beautiful lyrics. And I love that. I'm so glad that you guys both love that song. So that's, interesting. that's interesting that, I mean, the whole, the whole bit of that is interesting in your life and how and the connection you've got, but that you talked about that you use it when you, we're training for a marathon. Yeah. 
Um, because I think it's, it is that song that it is that sort of almost funeral dirge. You know, there's that kind of thing about it. But there's a movement to it. Yes, it, there, it, yes. But and it's by, it's the like it, gravity. by the end of it, it's joy and, you know, and she's, and those lyrics and her vocals, you're bird in the sky yeah. and you know all of yeah. this by the end of this yeah by the end of the song you're literally lifted yeah. by the flute and the yeah you're like you know and so it literally happens at the end music so yeah to me it's always been like you're kind of marching along and then you take off yeah. at the end you know and i and i think that's, and i think that's the great thing about it for a funeral song you know should it be the last song that people hear because amy already knows there's a whole list of songs you're going to have to have played at my funeral. You know, so, you know here comes the rain again. It's going to be in there somewhere. I, that was all going to other stuff. But, um, you know, because it's, it's kind of like what Eurythmics have done over the years where we were talking about that they, they sort of leave you near the end, like to be uplifted. And so it's sort of like that, you know, this is a sad moment, but you're a bird in the sky, yeah. you know, lift yourself up there's something else to it you know and i think let let me bring in let me bring in nancy she had something let's bring in nancy real quick uh lifted is another song uh from peace while it's a direct ode to keeping steady on in the face of heartbreak and trouble it has an undeniable melancholy which reflects that this is a task that's not easy mm. it can be very difficult to do the choir-like arrangement makes it feel like we are all in this together. Oh. There are many voices, any strong, bluesy vocals coming from out of the mix, only reinforces its strength and at the same time becomes a crying out to the void, to oneself. Again, that alchemy of melancholy and illumination creates a kind of joy. There is light in the darkness. Wow. The darkness has its own light. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty good, Nancy. I'm just I'm just gonna say it. I love you, Nancy. I know, Nancy. <laughs> Nancy. Let's drink wine together, please. <laughs> I know. We need to have a we need to have a, a Zoom wine party. Yes, Nancy. please. Now Nancy and John they they live in New York. I met them when I went to uh, Annie's nostalgia Barnes and Noble event. Christopher, were you there? No, I was at, at a that? conference. I was at a I was at a conference. Yeah, I couldn't go to that. Okay, okay. I couldn't. Uh, but uh, and I met them. I met them there. Are they from like New uh, York so, City, New York? Uh, or are they outside New York? I'm wondering because I, I think they're I'm New, in New York. York. I think they're in New York. New York's a big state. Yeah. So hey, yeah. you all, you all might need to get yeah. together. But um, yeah. I, I found a, a quote from a, a a review from the East Bay Times in your neck of the woods. That's yeah. That's my paper. Yeah, in two thousand seven, it was it was for Annie's concert, for the, and I I just thought the quote from this uh, uh, review, it summed up in my mind about peace. But it he said, this is Annie Lennox, the indestructible diva who traffics in depression <laughs> to the delight of all those who love her. And I, I think that's a lot about peace. There's a lot of depression in peace. Oh, yeah. But, you know, they bring you up into a delight. It is the, it is the dichotomy of Eurythmics. You know, from Love is a Stranger on, you know, the toy piano on Love is a Stranger and then these really dark lyrics, walking on broken glass with, 
you know, this happy melody and, oh, wait a minute, those are really unhappy lyrics. It's the whole thing, you know, of Annie's lyrics and Eurythmics music. And I think that's a lot to do with peace uh, and and a lot to do with that they found peace together again oh, yeah. and they came yeah. back for well, a certain Yeah, time. of course. Like, again, with the duality, they made peace and then we're talking about world peace yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. And we know they're, they're you know, socially and conscious and all that. So that, you know, real quick, that reminds me of the review in Entertainment Weekly of Diva where the clueless reviewer said, what? she's talking about walking on broken glass. Why on earth is she marrying these upbeat lyrics? I mean, these this upbeat music with such downbeat lyrics. <laughs> well, the answer to that is she's an artist and that's how art works. And shouldn't you know that as a reviewer? Oh, Entertainment Weekly uh, was never kind to Annie or Eurythmics, I don't think. But no, that's why it's uh, Entertainment Weekly. No, no that, that that same review called uh, um, uh, "Money Can't Buy It" a wilted piece of lettuce. <gasps> yeah. I'll always remember. Wait, really? <laughs> but yet they gave say that. Yet they gave the album a what, like a B plus? Do what? They, uh, what? No, I was going to say even though even with that review, they get didn't they rate the album like a B or a B plus or something? Well, they were always they always did that. You know, they hated Medusa as well. Entertainment Weekly hated Medusa, but it always got a decent review on the grade. It was always decent, yeah. but you had to search for it. Okay, did you like it? Did you really <laughs> like it? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's so interesting in, in my life. If, if someone says something nice to me, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. But if somebody says something negative to me, that will stay with me for days and weeks, and I'll just, oh, woe is me. And so, you know, I remember all these bad reviews from years ago. I can't quote a good review oh, to yeah. you, but a wilted piece of lettuce, that has stuck with me. <laughs> that's nasty. I don't like that. Since, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, well. I think a lot of critics just didn't know what to do with your. Yeah, they didn't know they what didn't really to say. Yeah. I think, yeah, and I think now, 20, 30 years later, you know, uh, I think as a society, maybe we're a little bit more sophisticated musically. And I think that's why I think you're going to see a renewed appreciation of them if it hasn't already started already with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But it definitely is music that's built to last and music that's meant to transcend decades and time and be reevaluated differently in, in the future. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And I believe it's happening already. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah and I'm trying to get the Gen Z yeah, students involved. Right. So I'm, I'm doing my part at the university. Yes. yes. I, every semester yes. I expose. please continue with that. I will. Don't you worry. So, because I really feel today's kids are starving for good music. They really are. So yeah. tell me, tell us really quickly when you do, uh, what is the response? And, and and do you use a certain song? Do you yes. use a video? How do you do it? So especially, right, well, what is it? yeah, so in my persuasion class, I do a section on earworms. It's actually how I introduced the course because it's sort of an esoteric form of persuasion are earworms. And so they have to write a journal reflection. They have to pick an earworm and they have to write a journal reflection on the, the art and science behind it. And so my sample 
is Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. I show the video and this, I get a reaction every time. Some students are like, oh, this song is so dumb. And then I get the, the students who are like, oh, oh my God, this, oh yeah, I know the song. Oh yeah, she's a badass. Um, and then I get students who are like, oh yeah, we just learned about her in my rock and roll music class about how she like changed music videos. So um, it's always, I get a reaction and that's really, wow. that's all that matters is that I get a reaction. But two, I, I say to them, go check out your rhythmics, you know, and they leave there talking and kind of snickering. And, you know, to me, as long as I'm exposing them to it, I don't care if they think I'm a dumbass or if they think I'm whatever. Um, it's just the fact that I made it a piece of their day, their curriculum. So. Well, it, it really warms my heart to hear that, that young kids are telling you that they learned in a class that, you know, look at what, look at how she changed music oh, yeah. videos. Oh yeah. You know, because that's what my website is all about is all about their groundbreaking videos. And I just think it's wow. So that's actually getting out there and oh, being yeah. taught. Wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> I have framed artwork of her in my office. And so when students come into my office, they're like, Oh, I know her. We learned about, yeah. So it, it is working Rex. She's yeah. I also, wow. I also want to say Syracuse university is, is, is on it, you know, you're talking about Annie in your class, and then they're telling you, hey, we learned about her in our rock and roll yeah. music class. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't have that in my university. <laughs> although, yeah, I know, really. Although I did do uh, an English paper about uh, the song Beethoven oh. and learned, and I'm still, I'm still friends with the professor because she was a huge Annie Lennox fan. <gasps> See, and I had high school I got, teachers really who were big Annie Lennox fans when I was in high school. So that's what that also helped me. I was like, oh, and they all graduated in the mid 80s from high school. I remember. So, you know, my my brother used to teach English at, uh, at a university in Tennessee. And each year he used the King and Queen of America video. Oh, yeah. Class. So good. And talk about this, young people. Oh, yeah, and there's lots of things in that that they're like, oh, mm, not sure about that. Well, but anyway. I am so glad to hear that. That's I'm yeah, I'm glad the young younger people are learning about this. Well, that's good. So, um, I, I think that was a pretty good discussion about peace. Actually, I think we. I do too. I think it was really, really good. And I think, I think, um, I think Annie and Dave should listen to this podcast. <laughs> Maybe maybe Dave will be yes. making a vodka martini while he's listening to it, and you know, be excited. I hope so. <laughs> well, Christopher, I just think you added a lot to our conversation, and yeah. it's great to finally see you. Thank in, you. Not in person. But Good to see you. Not just a, yeah. a small square. Facebook. Not an avatar. Uh, and I'm, I'm convinced. Yeah, yeah. I'm convinced we'll we'll meet up at some point at Disney World. Yeah. it's it's so weird because he'll be leaving Disney World and I'll be coming to Disney World. Or sometimes he's there, but he's at a different park and I'm at the other park. Yeah, and it never works. But sounds like the nostalgia concert. <laughs> Remember, tons of fans there, but none of us seem to be able to to find each other. <laughs> yeah, there were tons of people there. That was so weird. But uh, uh, Christopher, I are you thinking about this. going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Um, I've heard through the grapevine that you have to be a, a paying member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to get there. And so I've already counted myself out. 
I don't know how true that okay. is, well, but can, um, well, I will. I, I can get to, to be the a member of the. Thing, but, um, yeah. Well, the concert's I, in Los Angeles. I know. I'm not so, going to be able to get um, tickets to that, but. Um, well, uh, yeah, I think if you're a member, you get access to like a pre-sale or something like that. But I do think the general public gets a chance at some point, but I'm sure that's really hard to get, you know. Yeah. It's, I could be wrong about that. I don't know. I think this is going to be a massive concert. I mean, the inductees this year. Yeah. Duran Duran. Pat Benatar. Simon. And yeah. Pat Benatar, you know, uh, I mean, they've. This is going to be a concert like no other, true. and that it's in Los Angeles. I mean, you know, uh, I was sort of really, I was sort of, I sort of wanted to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've never been there, so I was hoping it was going to be there or in in Ohio. But I, I that's know, right. I'm relieved it's L.A. because I can just drive right now. That's right. You, you can just drive. So, but I'm, uh, I, I, I hope you've had a good time on the podcast i did i had so much fun and like i was so nervous before coming on because i'm like oh my god they think of me that i'm, I'm like oh my god am i really a f-? and so you guys were amazing i really appreciate the warmth and the and the um fabulousness and rex i'm sorry i know you were supposed to leave like a half an hour ago so i'm sorry about that but um i appreciate you guys asking me no to be problem. on the podcast and uh, rex i'll be in san francisco in march so if you're around um i'd love to to see you in march definitely yeah. um whenever you're in New York, I'll, I'll reach out to you on the social media. Please, we'll, we'll, please, we'll hook up yes, but yeah, definitely would love to see you when you come out here. Awesome, great, thank All you guys. Right. So, anything you. else? We need? Any All other right. business we need to do, Rex? Anything else we need to say on, on podcast world? Uh, enjoy this podcast, and we, and uh, we think we have a good one coming. So, stay tuned for that one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. See you all. Thank you. An- another good one coming. Another. This is a good one too. <laughs> All thank right. you so much, guys. All right, thank Bye. you. Cheers.